Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Good evening, Alex. Yeah, doing pretty well. I mean, it's been a pretty mixed uh, last couple of results, but, um, you know, all in all, it, the, I guess the feeling in the club is a little bit different and, um, you know, there's reason to be optimistic still, despite a, uh, an interesting run of games and certainly, uh, you know, some big opportunities ahead. Yes, yeah, certainly. It's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? We've had those two poor results against uh, Preston and Derby and heading into the games against Fulham and Sheffield United, we would have been, you know, given cause to be a bit pessimistic about our chances. But um, as it sometimes happens, those harder games actually end up uh, more of an opportunity to perform and do well. So we'll get into both of those games. But first of all, I just wanted to say for anyone watching along, um, if you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, we are trying to get up to, I think we're at 127 subscribers at the moment, aiming for 150, if not 200 by the end of the season would be fantastic. So hit that subscribe button, hit like on the video and follow along. Um, we'll jump into, first of all, that Fulham game. Um, I guess the positive for me was, and, and we sort of talked last week, Dan and myself, about the concern about Shotter adapting or adjusting to life at the club and, and getting to know the players. The positive for me was probably the lineup and the fact that we brought in Slater, we brought in Smallwood. Yes, we shifted to a back four, um, but we looked a lot more solid defensively and it really showed in the performance. Um, how, how did you see that lineup, first of all? Yeah, I agree. I was, I was really happy with the lineup and, and got a little bit excited when I saw the, the team sheet get announced. Um, I, I think it's a really interesting one with Shotter because, you know, as, as fans, we always want more. And I think that uh, it's very quick to, you know, to hear the, the input from the, the social media warriors about, oh, we shouldn't have got rid of McCann um, in the, after, after recent uh, results. And I, I find that really intriguing because, you know, only a few weeks ago where uh, before the, the appointment of Shotter, there was, there was a lot of discussion whether McCann was the right man moving forward or would we be happy to see him go. And, um, you know, I think overall we were pretty divided on that. So, uh, you know, you see these interesting times when, when a manager takes over where you do see teams, you know, predominantly they will start to change their fortune and go on runs uh, and, and it changes the shape of the club. But equally, you've got to be prepared for uh, exactly what, you know, we've, we've seen in the last couple of games with a manager who, who isn't familiar with English football and, and will take time to, to adjust. And um, as you said, like, I think this was probably the first sign of, of a manager who had, who had learnt from, uh, you know, the previous games and, and, and wanted to, uh, to really try and apply his trade and uh, seemingly is starting to familiarise himself with uh, the demands of English football. Yeah, I mean, I think my comment last week or my comparison was I think a, a really clear comparison, in my mind at least, is to Leonard Slutsky, um, where that was probably the last time where we had a managerial change where Marco Silva, for the for the main part, had done quite well um, in, in the same way that McCann sort of had a, a few good results finishing off his reign. So where, where it wasn't a case of the results dictating the change in manager, but more just circumstance. Um, and Slutsky coming in as well, not having a huge amount of experience in English football or, or none really. Um, and that display at Derby was probably a little bit concerning just in terms of the way we set up defensively. So to see to see the adjustments for this Fulham game, I think, again, like you said, were really pleasing to see. And, and it, it is quite a reassuring um, style change. And, and, and we see it again in the Sheffield United game. I think having Slater and Smallwood back in that midfield really gave us a, bit, a lot more security. I think as unfortunate as it is, I think Doherty is a great player for us. But I think his performances the last few games probably haven't been up to what we would expect. And, and so he... 
he's found himself out of the side for the last two games in probably the first time in his time at City, really, apart from any injuries he's potentially had. I don't think he's necessarily ever been dropped. So that was a pretty interesting um, decision, I guess. Um, the other one being Marcus Force, and I guess uh, less so with this one because that was more dictated by injury with Eves struggling with with something and, and Elia also out with a groin injury as well. Um, what have you, I mean, there's been a bit of debate about force as well. And I mean, I guess probably similar to Shoto, I mean, he's quite new to the side. It's probably hard to make a judgment too quickly on him, but, but what have you made to hit on his start at City? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good point. It's a, it's a mixed one. It's not one where you've kind of, you've seen force hit the ground running and everyone is kind of on board that he's certainly, a, you know, we've got a player on our hands. I don't think that you would, you know, you'd have to search pretty far and wide to find someone who has, has taken that opinion. But at the same time, I think there's been glimpses from Force that have shown that, you know, he's a quality signing and he certainly does have a, a role to play in uh, in this particular city squad. So, um, as I said, I, I don't think he's done anything overwhelming, but I think he's shown enough promise to, um, you know, to give him the benefit of the doubt and, uh, and, and see how he goes in particularly the next few fixtures. Yeah, I've, I found it a little bit ironic. I think Ivan Tony is now out injured at Brentford, and you'd think if Force was still in that side, he'd probably be starting in the Premier League at the moment. Which um, you sort of think if we're sitting here saying he's not good enough for our side, but he'd, he'd otherwise be starting in a Premier League side. It's a bit bit of um, a backward situation there. Um, on the game itself, I mean, we did have a few chances, and talking about Force, I mean, he had arguably one of the best chances. Honeyman, the other. Um, we, we really did give them a game, though. I mean, they scored, I think it was the second half when Mitrovic got his header. So he really, they sort of broke us down in the end. But probably conditions played their part as well. The ground stuck a little bit under the ball, um, probably played to our advantage as well. But but miles better than the, the, than the derby game. Oh, absolutely. I think the, the, there has been a few fixtures this season where, uh, you know, you've just kind of wished them away and, and wanted the game to end. I remember namely Stoke, uh, particularly the second time, was just one of those games where, uh, you know, for 70 minutes it was a really hard watch. And I think, you know, Derby was certainly reminiscent of, of that type of game where you kind of knew what the result was going to be early on and you really had to pers- uh, persevere to, to finish the match, whereas... You know, I, I guess after the back of on the back of that derby performance, uh, you know, having the having the what I think is probably safe to say the you know, the the next inductees to the Premier League, Fulham, I'd be really surprised to see uh, you know them not capitalise from the position they're in now to to play the way that we did against them, and as you said, give them a real game, and uh, certainly could have picked a point up uh, towards the towards the end in the dying moments as well, but. It, it was a far better improved uh, performance. And, and you really did get that feeling that, um, you know, from the outset that it was a game that's, that we were looking forward to. And, and I think the confidence where we, we genuinely thought we could get something from it. And, um, you know, that's an encouraging sign after such a, as we mentioned, a, a very poor performance at Derby. Yeah, certainly. So um, an improved performance. I mean, Mitrovic with the goal, um, I don't think there are too many things surer than that in in the championship at the moment. As you said, they're pretty much Premier League elect at the moment. And Mitrovic, I think with that goal, equaled the the record for the most goals in a championship season. And he's still got about 15 games to go. Um, I guess with that, the only criticism I'd say is, you know, you're watching back on the replays. Fleming's, Fleming's sticking to his man quite rightly, but he's calling in for some support. It's probably KLP. I'd say I dare to say is probably at fault there a little bit from not pressing um, a bit more on the. I think it's Nico Williams or uh, uh, whatever his name is, the the, the Liverpool loanee uh, who gets the cross in. Um, probably the only criticism I can level with that goal. 
yeah, I think you're probably right. It probably was a, a case of KLP just not following. And, you know, I, I think it's really easy to to forget that KLP is, is pretty much the focal point in our attack at the moment. And we are asking a lot of him and he's still an incredibly young player. So I think it probably gets, uh, you know, masked a little bit when you hear all these links to, uh, you know, the promise he's shown and uh, the, the clubs that he might be, go- uh, might be going to and the, the uh, kind of transfer fee that he, that he may demand. Um, you know, he's still a young player and uh, particularly playing in, in the championship of all places, it's it's a very difficult league to to be able to perform on both ends of the ball. And, you know, I think as you're right, it probably was KLP's fault. Um, I think we'll we'll let it slide if it's if it's a one nil result against uh, That's right. you know, one of the most informed championship teams that we've probably ever seen. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll let it slide. But I think he he's probably the man at fault if if you were to to lay any blame. Yeah, if you're going to be particularly harsh, that's right. Yeah, I don't think you can fault him too much in that sense. Um, the other player to shout out is probably Ingram. I think he was criticised by myself amongst others um, after the uh, displays last week, especially against Derby. Um, I thought he was terrific in this one. I mean, there was that that moment early on, I think, where he came out and and Wilson got in around him and, and luckily didn't score from it. But otherwise, I thought he was terrific. He made a number of good saves and uh, and really looked like, I mean, like any player, he's probably just a bit rusty. He hasn't played in a while. So he, he's sort of settling back into the side. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, the other thing is like, as a keeper, it's it's such a difficult task when we know how well Ingram started the season, then he's obviously been replaced and then to be called upon again. Uh, you have to have that level of resilience to be able to, you know, to keep showing up and, and performing and as you right as you rightly said it was a, a an impressive performance from him and um you know full credit to him um okay well i'll move on then to my mvp votes and then i'll grab yours um i've probably given the three to smallwood another player i haven't really mentioned or called out but i think him coming back into that side really improved that 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 center of the park for us gave that extra cover for the defense um, and was I don't think it's a coincidence that we became a lot more assured in our defence with um, Smallwood back in the side, um, playing that sort of um, disruptor role in midfield, I would say. Um, two, two votes I gave to Slater, probably similarly. I think it's interesting. I don't know if we saw Slater and Smallwood in the side much together last season, but I thought they worked really well together. Um, Slater, we'll, we'll talk about as well with the Sheffield United game, but it's great to see him getting a few starts in the side. Um, and really looking like he belongs at this level and belongs at the club. So um, already proving to be a really astute signing from Chef United, that one. Um, and then the one vote for Ingram, as we sort of just touched on, I think a really improved display from him and, and a really assured performance between the sticks. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I probably would have swapped it. I would have given uh, Slater my three points and Smallwood too, but I think uh, Ingram's a great shout for one. Fair enough. All right, well, we'll talk now about the Sheffield United game, which was... Yesterday morning, it already feels like it was a little while ago. Um, Nil-nil, um, not too bad. I mean, if you'd said before this week we'd take a point from these two games, you'd be pretty happy with that. Um, a real battling sort of performance away at Chef United. I mean, their fans got pretty riled up at supposed time-wasting tech techniques or tactics. And I'd say, well, if you're going to sort of throw elbows in faces and, and draw blood from our players, you know, you've got to expect there'll be a few stoppages. So, look, an unchanged side from the Fulham game, um, I was a bit worried early on that we might be run a bit ragged and, and tire out as the game went on, but they looked really impressive and performed really well. Yeah, it was it was a very strong defensive effort, and I think that uh, it was it needed to be because, as you mentioned, uh, it was a very very tense uh, Bramall Lane, and 
just the 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 way that the game started you could kind of feel the um the tenacity in, in the crowd and there was a real like certainly watching the um you know watching the footage on on, te on television back here uh there was just the, an electricity around the ground where you could tell that it was one of those really difficult away fixtures where where they were certainly up for it and um i think as the game kind of grew uh grew on we started to frustrate them and certainly their fans and i think the, the call and the commentary that that i really enjoyed was uh, pretty close to the 90th minute when they talked about the carnival atmosphere that was uh in the away end for for neil or which was um you know pretty yeah. impressive to, to probably sums up the performance in the whole that we were very happy with the point and um, it was a very incredibly well-deserved one um, especially after the loss to Derby into a loss to Fulham uh, we, we did need something to kind of uh, you know steady the ship and uh, it didn't come in the form of three points but it was a, a very valuable one yeah, look, I mean, and also uh, full credit, a big shout out to all the travelling away supporters. Almost 2,000 there is an awesome display um, to, for, for midweek fixture at Sheffield United. Um, yeah, look, it was one of those games where I think the longer it went on, you just felt that it was more and more likely to be nil-nil because they were just getting more frustrated. And, and I think Shotter said after the game, they only probably had one shot on target in that second half. It, it probably felt a lot more tense than that. It felt like it dragged out. But on reflection, you think we were actually reasonably assured in that second half. And 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 one one substitution that I really liked, which at the time I was a bit unsure on, was um, Alfie Jones coming on into midfield yeah. to replace Slater. And it actually worked really well because it gave us that dynamic sort of flexibility in our shape where he was one of the, the midfield three, but then at times was able to drop and slot quite comfortably back into that that um, defensive formation and, and turn it into a back three almost. Um, and, and I thought that worked really well to help us see out the game. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple of very crucial challenges as well. I know that he, yeah. he left his feet a few times and um, it was the timing had to be spot on and it was. So, yeah, I, I agree. I thought Alfie Jones was exceptional. Speaking of timing having to be spot on, how about that Honeyman uh, yellow card? It was. I was saying to Dan in the, um, the chat just after it happened, I said, look, it's absolutely 100% a yellow card, but I was also thinking it's, it's not one of those challenges which I thought was particularly dirty. Like I, it was, it was the sort of thing I do in football where you know you, you're going for the ball, you're committing to the ball, and you're basically just saying to yourself, even if my timing's slightly out, I'm just going to commit to it. And and he, he did it, and and he rightly copped the yellow card. But Honeyman's got that in him a couple of times a season, which is quite funny to see. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those ones that, if anything, they're good to watch. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And look, uh, you know, can't go past um, Fleming either for a massive shout out. Um, he's had a few really top displays this season already. And, and we didn't really touch on him in that Fulham game as well. But a few instances in that game as well, where I, was, I think I was saying to Dan last week, he he's our most, I, I, I saw the comparison on Twitter, I should say, it wasn't my comparison, but he, he's the most like Andy Robertson that we've had as a left back since Robertson left the club, with his ability to take on the opposition and get up the field. Um, and in this game against Sheffield, especially with KLP linking up on that left-hand side, they were they were really in sync with each other and it, it was uh, quite effective. Absolutely. And one thing that I do want to say about Fleming as well is, I, you know, I remember him in, I say the early days, it's not not so long ago, but just his development as a footballer um, in, in yeah. recent times over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, I know there was a few times where he was brought on late in games to plug holes uh, in, in the championship and was uh, was actually responsible for a few late goals. And I didn't really consider him to be that much of a player. 
there's almost like this resurgence of of how we've he's now been allowed to develop and and kind of found his feet. And as you mentioned, the last few games, he's just been outstanding and showing that, um, as you said, the the comparisons to Andy Robinson, you don't get those uh, you know every day. So uh, if he's drawing those kind of plaudits, well, you know that probably reflects the type of performances that he's putting in. Yeah, because that last championship season, I remember I, I sort of had him in the same category as Rob McKenzie, who they were sort of both those young fullbacks slash, I mean, McKenzie sort of played centre-back sometimes, and you thought, you know, they can do a job, they can slot into the side, but they're not sort of, they're not they're not the sort of player you think will go to that next level, like a KLP or, or someone like that. But this season, he's completely proved me wrong, and he's really looking, he, he's in that same bracket now as Greaves and KLP, where he, he really deserves that starting spot, even with Elder fully fit, Elder was on the bench. Absolutely. And that is a, another thing in itself. I mean, I know that we'll have to talk about the coil injury uh, later yeah. in the piece as well. But the fact that you are talking now about, uh, you know, coil, Fleming, um, Callum Elder, it's, it's certainly an area of strength for, for, for City with, uh, with what we have in the, in the fullbacks department. Yeah, that's right. And I was just about to come on to that with Coyle um, getting subbed off with that injury. I think it's looking like a hamstring injury, so presumably three to four weeks. Um, I found it interesting, actually, that we brought Elder on and played him on the right. I, I thought we might have switched to a three-five-two and, and dropped Longman back into that wing-back position. But, I mean, look, Elder playing on the right, I, I think I saw the comment. It was probably one of the first times that, you know, a side would have had a back five, including the keeper, all left-footed. It was quite a yeah. quite a sight. And, and look, Elder, Elder performed quite well on the right. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I thought that um that it was it was the type of game that you you do. I like seeing Calamelda when he's firing because you can tell that um you know he's really up for the task. And there was a few a few moments towards the end of the game, uh, particularly where you could see it in his face. It was that that aggression. He really uh, I think he relished the role, and that probably speaks to a man who's under pressure. You know. Uh, to, to try and find his way back into the side. So, no, full yeah. credit to him as well. Look, he's probably turned to shoulder and say, look, if you need to play me on the right, play me on the right. I just want to get on. Um, yeah. No, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, how about then I'll grab your three votes for your MVP first and then I'll give mine. Yeah, so I think Fleming was the the one that was the standout. So you probably pencil him in for three. Um, I had Alfie Jones as two. I thought that, uh, you know, the fact that it was a nil all game and uh, there was some incredibly critical uh defensive uh you know reads and, and plays by him towards the end i think he's definitely too and then uh yeah klp he was he was causing havoc uh when, when he was re- released but uh a really interesting game and i i guess it's sometimes hard to give uh, to put klp in your three two ones when it's a nil or draw but um, no yeah yeah but yeah and no that is right and look and so for my votes i also went Fleming uh, with the three. I, I went KLP for the two and Jones for the one. So so similar players to you. But I agree. I mean, KLP to me, um, his ability to take on a man and, and really sort of press on and get us up the pitch and draw a foul, um, I think really alleviated a lot of the pressure on the side. And, and it was both him and Fleming, to be honest. They were both causing a lot of havoc down that right-hand side for Sheffield United, left-hand side for us. Um, and, and that ability to draw a foul really sort of relieve that pressure from us and let us push up the field so even though it was a nil-nil I think he still played a really vital role in the performance yeah I think that's a spot on it's a it's a incredibly underrated um role that he does play um in, yeah. in the city particularly right. when you do those difficult away fixtures and, and and I guess just before we move on I mean we had one player we haven't really touched on was uh Ryan Longman who he, he seems that sort of mercurial player where he could, he 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 was very sort of um, invisible for large portions of this game, but in saying that, had almost our best chance 
of of um, snatching the three points against Chef U with that curling effort late in the game. And he seems one of those players, and that's why I get a little, not frustrated, but it, it disappointed sometimes when he gets subbed off. Um, when I feel like late in these games, he's the sort of player you want on the ball. You saw it against Everton in the Cup as well, for instance. He can just pop up and grab, and, and Bournemouth, where, he, where we did get the, yeah. the goal. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, that effort he had late in this game as well, you know, a few inches to the left and, and we could have been walking away with the three points. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that, Alex. And I think this is a really interesting one. I think late in this game, there was the, uh, the I think uh, it was Tom Eves that got released of all people actually. And then uh, he obviously had that heavy touch uh, when he tried to go back into Oh, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, you, you're spot on in saying that Longman has proven that particularly in the, in the death of games when we are um, you know, pretty condensed and, and looking to, to break quickly, uh, he's the type of, of player that you do just sense has that, that X factor or the ability to produce something special. So, yeah, that's a, a, it's an, interesting, uh, you know, an interesting trait to, to attach to a City player. Um, but you're right. He's, he's proven it a few times that he, he can, be, can be that man if, if called upon. Yeah. In that sort of mould with, you know, KLP, Bowen, Harry Wilson's probably probably the three that come to mind as being similar sort of players in that sense. Um, okay, well, let's move on then. We'll, we'll go through our triple flashback feature before we go into our previews for next week. Um, and I'm sort of probably half giving away one of these answers here, but given the sides that we've just faced in, in Fulham and Sheffield United and one of the managers that we faced, the question for this week is, can you name the last three City managers who have managed City and they have subsequently then managed a uh, a Premier League club. Uh, we might have been, you know, we might they might have managed City whilst we were in the Premier League, but then gone on to another club that's played in the Premier League whilst they managed them. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the, the giveaway there is Marco Silva. Obviously, um, his appointment uh, after after leaving us uh, to Everton was uh, was the, the the clear one. Uh, Steve Bruce, obviously, he went to Newcastle. Uh, the third one, this is, uh, I, I hope this isn't obvious. I hope that I'm not just sleeping on. Uh, I wouldn't, whatever. I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent obvious. No. So it, it is one to think about. We're going back. Cause it was a, it, it was an arguably quite forgettable spell. Cause he was only at the club for, I want to say three or four months. That which well, might, so, be a, might be a hint in itself. Yeah. So are we, are we able to go back and say Nigel Pearson, despite because he obviously was a Premier League manager, but when he took over at Leicester, uh, they were a championship side. You know what? You, you are right. It is Nigel Pearson. But uh, I was actually thinking of his more more recent spell at Watford. So he was at Watford for about four months in the Premier League. But you are, you, you're you right on both counts because he was also the Leicester Premier League manager as well. So um, no, that's actually funny. I, I I hadn't thought of it from the point of view of Leicester. I was thinking from Watford. But yeah, there you go. So yeah, so, so Silver left us for Watford. Bruce, um, of course, got to Newcastle after spells at Villa and Chef Wednesday. Um, and then Pearson, yeah, first at Leicester. Um, and then I think he went to Belgium or something and then came back to Watford in the Premier League as well. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we do have two, I would, I'd say, two easier games this week than Fulham and Chef U, but I guess easy sort of relative in this league after how we did against Preston and Derby. You, you can't really tell how the games are going to go. The f- first of the two is against QPR. Um, they've been managed by Warburton for a couple of years now, I think. So he's quite stable at the helm there. Um, and they did beat us 3-0 earlier in the season, um, the game where I think Moncur got a red card. And it was probably the only game I can remember where Matt Smith started a game for us in that brief loan spell for Man City. And look, looked pretty good in that game, actually. Um They've only had one win in their last five, though. So, so quite a vulnerable 
or quite a good time to face them whilst they're a bit vulnerable, um, having lost to Barnsley and Millwall in their last two games. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're challenging for, I wouldn't say automatic promotion, probably more just the playoff places, but uh, at the same time, it's probably a good time to face them. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you say that in, in the sense that their, their recent form suggests that, but, I mean, what better get That's right back, yeah. than, a, than a struggling City side as well? So, I mean, we've, we have to be really, you know, encouraged by that performance at, at, at Sheffield United, and that has to be the, the catalyst for, um, you know, to stop this, this poor run that we've been on recently. I think you're right. It probably is a, a nice time to get them in the sense that they seem to be failing, but... Uh, you know, as you mentioned, they still are up in the you know the top end of of the championship table, and uh, you know as as we're we're very accustomed to, and we've seen it time and time again in the championship. It's it's very hard to go and perform and do what you say we're seeing Fulham do at the moment uh, to keep that consistency. Yeah. Every, every team has their slumps, and um, you know, and goes through these rocky periods. And you know, once you get those that win, it's it's really crucial that you go get another three points and and try and you know, ride the momentum as it, as it comes. So as QPR are in a slight rut. It's, it is a good time for us, but I think it's so much more about how we fare against or how we fared against Sheffield United and what we've actually were able to harness and take into the next game. Um, yeah, that's, that, that yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, that's right. And I think they've got plenty of dangerous players in their, in their midst. They've got Chris Willock and Elias Chair are probably the two main, main dangerous players. They've got Lyndon Dykes, who I always think of Lyndon Dykes when I think of, um, uh, what's what's his name? The striker who plays for Australia, um, who um, uh, name's gone out of my head. But he he's Scottish and then nominated for Australia. And Lyndon Dykes was born in Oz, but then nominated for Scotland. And it was around the same time. And I think we we're trying to get Dykes to to nominate for Australia as well. So um, I always think of him as well. He he is essentially an Australian, so it's a bit of a funny one. But he he's he's in reasonable form for them as well. So. Um, few dangerous players in their midst. I mean, one player that we won't face is Geordie Device, who, despite QPR fans being over the moon when they signed him on a permanent from us, uh, has subsequently been loaned out from the club. So um, not not going hugely well there for him. Um, I, I guess the question sort of is, what what changes, if any, would you make? Well, I mean, obviously, Coyle's going to be out of the side with his injury, but ha- how would you see the side lining up for this one? Well, yeah, as you as you mentioned, that's probably the obvious one. I mean, do do we see Callum Elder start at right back? Like it, 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 it could happen. Yeah, it, it may well happen, and I think that would, that would be another really interesting thing to see how Shotter Shotter goes about selecting his uh, his side because you know, as you said, he's still relatively unknown to English football, and whilst it's uh, okay to kind of you know plug a stopgap uh, during a game. Uh, would you would you then go and start the starter side like that? So I'll be fascinated to see what happens there. I actually don't have an opinion on on what I think yeah. will happen. Um, I guess the other thing that you may want to consider is it was an unchanged side uh, for for the back to backs between Fulham and and Sheffield United. So uh, you know there may be some thinking with with freshening up the legs. Um, you know you might, yeah. you might like a Tyler Smith come and start. I, I'm just not sure. Yeah, that's right. Or, or, or you know if Smallwood can't play three games in a week, we maybe we go with Slater. At the base of the midfield, I mean, bring Doherty back in or something. Yeah, that, that'd be an interesting one as well. Um, Force as well. I mean, like if Eves is now fully fit, I think that the news is that uh, Baxter will miss this game and also Aliyah um, Sabanesh will be out as well. Um, so probably we'll see Force up top again, Eves off the bench. Um, there's some suggestion, I guess, in that Brentford loan deal that there is uh, sort of an expectation of starts for him. So it'll be interesting to see if he does get rotated at all or just 
sort of plays through the plays through the season. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess I, I think as you said, I mean Tyler Smith, Smith maybe getting a start. Um, it's it's an interesting one because as you say, I think the formation of the four three three worked really well the last two games. So it'll be interesting to see if he's happier to stick with the formation or adjust for the personnel available. It'd be fascinating to see Elder from the start at, at uh, right back, considering on the first day of the season we had two right backs in the squad playing Emmanuel and uh, Coyle on, on both sides. So to now have two left backs would be quite interesting. But um, yeah, I guess for this guy, how, how do you feel going into this one? Do you, do you think we can come away with the three points? I was, I was really encouraged by that Sheffield United performance. And I do get the feeling that, uh, you know, that this mishap or this poor run of form that we've been on at late, as of late, uh, I think that, um, you know, that has to change at some point. And I, I think that that performance yesterday was the catalyst for it. I, I'm really confident in this one. I actually think we'll probably go and win 2-0. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear that. There's a fair bit of lightning going on in the background here, so it's probably creeping through on the audio. Yeah, look, I, I'm pretty confident in this game as well. I think it's a good time to play them. Um, they'll be they'll be tightening up a lot because I feel like, you know, from our own experience, when you're chasing promotion, um, if you drop a few games, it can get very nervy to sort of, you know, do you, do you, do you kind of go on the attack and, and try and become much more open to try and score goals and win games? Or do you tighten up and go defensive just to, Get a few points going and get back, get back. You know, stop the rot from from a couple of losses. So, it's a it's a good time to face them. Um, I think Millwall, who have been pretty poor, were able to beat them two 0 I think during the week. So, um, it gives us a good opportunity to try to um, get the three points against them. Um, we've also got the Barnsley game midweek, which I'm really looking forward to because this is that two pound game where we're going to see um, hopefully a huge crowd at the Capecom or the MKM, I should say. Um, for the game against Barnsley, they've they've just won their first game in quite some time, and it was against QPR. So um, their one win in five games has come against our other opponent this week. Um, we we did beat them back in November. Honeyman and KLP with the goals in that one. I think that was the first of four wins in a row for us. That that sort of little patch of wins for us as well. Um, and, and look, if there's any game, we I think it was I, I can't remember if it was yourself or it might have been. Um, um, Dan, I was talking to where I was saying if we if we can beat the three teams in the relegation zone, we'll essentially be safe. And and we've dropped the game against Derby, but I think if we can win both this game against Barnsley and the game coming up in the next couple of weeks against Peterborough, um, we really should put ourselves in quite a strong position. So so this is it's a must win in the sense that I think it's a really strong position we'd be putting ourselves in, but we really should be winning it anyway. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think you, you kind of, you, you mentioned it, but we, we need to probably pause on that. A, a two pound game for a Yorkshire derby um, at, you know, at the MKM, like what a, what a fantastic initiative. I think that to see, you know, when we talk about the, the club changing hands and, and having an owner that, that's come in and, and really tried to, you know, resonate and um, and make himself you know, known to the fans. I think what, a, what an incredible way to do it. Um, and, the fact that, as you mentioned, like how critical the game against Barnsley is for for us, you know, staving off uh, relegation. If we were to get three points, uh, even against them, um, it would be it's what's well, you know, no doubt is it a six pointer. But if if with the stadium's bouncing and we're able to to you know get a win over a very struggling Barnsley side, it would be an incredibly big step forward into as you said, securing our survival. And this is the sort of game I really do hope that, you know, Elia is fit, 
force is fit, where you can get the new signings starting the game and really hopefully getting a bit of confidence and filling their boots with a couple of goals because there's there's really no reason that we shouldn't be able to go out. Like Derby is one thing. Derby, without their points deduction, are essentially a mid-table side, but Barnsley are legitimately a very poor side this season. So unlike the Derby game where we did throw a few of those signings in and it didn't really work out for us, this is a game where we should be able to throw those signings in get their confidence up, get some goals and really sort of set ourselves up for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, what better way to do it on that that type of stage? Like if we are pretty much a shorter, a packed house, um, what a way to to announce himself, yourself to the fans. Like if you're, I imagine if you're one of those new signings and, you know, you get given the nod to start, the the buzz that, that would be going uh, through you and the, the energy that you want to be able to show to the fans uh, you know, get yourself on the score sheet or get yourself a second goal and all of a sudden you're, a, you know, an instant hero. And so that's yeah. that's certainly going to be going through the the minds of those players. And as you said, if if, if all goes to plan and they are injury-free, um, you know, what a mouthwatering clash that's going to be. Absolutely. So I guess I'm, I'm probably seeing a three or a four-nil win in this one. I'm, I'm really confident that we've got the attacking talent now and, and Barnsley are a poor team that we should be able to really just run through them look we've we've been talking it up now we've we've got a a hope that it's a special day because if it's a a lackluster one nil defeat it's going to be really hard yeah that's right but i agree with you alex i'm i'm very confident and i I think that this has well without sounding arrogant the the ability to be a blowout i think it'll be a comfortable victory i'd be really surprised if we didn't get three points for in that particular fixture yeah, that's right. I think if we were to concede early in that one, it'd be a uh, very nervy night. But uh, look, you know, it's a midweek fixture, so it's going to be a great game for us to be up at 7am or whatever time it's kicking off yeah. and uh, enjoying that one all the way through. Um, well, I've enjoyed all the way through this episode. So thank you for joining me for this one, Logan. My pleasure, Alex. Great to be here. No worries. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. Uh, we've got two big fixtures this week. Hopefully we'll be back next week to talk about all six points that we've picked up in those two games Uh, But until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber Black. There's no turning back cause you're out